New Sports Order back for another week. Tom Corbett, along with Sterling Pingree, a victorious week for both of us. One probably felt a lot better than the other. As the the Cowboys fans, we sweated out a nail-biter with the Houston Texans. But hey, still came away with a win. Patriots took care of business on Monday night. Arizona is... That's going to be a fun (laughs) offseason. Nobody's safe. I think the GM knows that, and now he's taking a health-related absence. And I think his health is his job health. Like, ooh, maybe if I'm sick for the next three months, they won't fire me. Well, I mean, out of sight, out of mind. Here's my question. How many lives have the Patriots ruined this season? You think about it. The Colts get embarrassed by the Patriots. Frank Wright gets fired. Zach Wilson gets his pants pulled down twice by the Patriots defense. He gets benched. Now Steve Keim, they they lose to the Patriots. They lose their quarterback. And now he's taking a leave of absence. I'm just saying, like, Weird things happen. You lose to this Patriots team. The only one that I think has has come out okay was the Detroit Lions got beat 29-0, and they've actually caught fire now. But uh, for the most part, though, it's like is it that the expectations are so raised that, look, this is the Patriots. This is the time to beat that team. We need a victory. They're kind of down. They're kind of rebuilding. It doesn't get done. You get beat up. And now there's the overreaction of like, oh, okay. If we couldn't beat the Patriots now, we're probably never going to beat them. So I'm going to take take some time. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Oof. The Jets. Speaking of the Jets, man, Mike White may have taken the hardest shot I've seen a quarterback take ever. Which one? He took the, the three. S- where he got the second like one. An accordion. The second one that knocked him out for a little bit. Like, I had just assumed when that was over, like, oh, that's broken ribs or a punctured spleen or something. Joe no. Flacco's warming up. <laughs> it it was very, it felt like a very pro wrestling moment where, like, I'm not saying it was fully getting thrown off the cage and then, like, coming back off the gurney. But it was like that moment where, uh, didn't, like, Kurt Angle have a concussion or something and... You know, he, he just like stumbled back to the ring and had no recollection of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what it felt like. It's like, um, I know this is probably supposed to happen, but does anyone know he's walking back to the ring right now? Like, shouldn't someone grab him? That's what it felt like when Mike White walked back out there. I was like, oh, no. And then, of course, was it like the second play? You know, Ed Oliver just buries him. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, stop the damn fight. And then. <laughs> And true Jets fashion, Flacco comes in first play fumble. <laughs> He's like, I don't want this. He's like, I'm supposed to be in the backwards hat carrying a clipboard you know, era of my career. S- so strange, Tom, to think about what has happened with veteran quarterbacks as backups or starters this year. And guys, you know, losing the starting job, they don't get demoted to second string. 
they, they're going inactive. I mean, Zach Wilson hasn't dressed since the Patriots game on November 20th. And now he's been officially named the backup. Yeah, I'm not, not exactly sure what that's about. And all the reports are, and all the reports have been like, there's a lot going on yeah. with Zach Wilson in his head, in his life, whatever. There's a lot there to unpack. Well, he started seeing Brenda, and Brenda's divorce isn't final, and her kids are mad that he was over for Thanksgiving because, you know, they went to high school with him, and they don't know how they feel about Zach dating their mom, but he's also seen another... I mean, yeah, that's what I imagine his his life is is probably like. The holidays can be tough when... when you know, you know. Maybe he was pulling a Delonte West. Teammate's oh, mom. LeBron's mom. Teammate's oh, mom. I was, <laughs> I was like, you mean... It, it's it, Yeah, just went after LeBron's mom. Uh, man... That game, because it was one of our local games, so it was on here. It was like brutal. It's like half rain, half spit and snow. And they had Mike White throw it 44 times. And they're just teeing up on him. Like, okay, we're just going to keep sending the house. No worries. Well, the old- the, and the old line hasn't been good. Uh, I think they lost someone else in the course. I mean, they, they, they're starting third string guys off the street at this point. Yeah. What, what are you thinking about having him drop back that many times? It's not the throwing. It's just the dropping back. Like, don't don't have him hold on to this at all. Yeah. I mean, what? They own, They had 22 total carries in the game. I think Buffalo had 24, so it's not a huge difference. But, I mean, the game was close. It was a seven-point game at half. No one had scored. Like, I feel like you didn't have to go to the, all right, we're just going to have to throw from here. We're behind. Like, for the most part, it was a one-score game most of the time. Try some different stuff. But, you know, I mean... What was it? Zonovan Knight had, you know, about four yards a carry. Nothing that blows you away, but 17 carries, 71 yards, a touch. Like, you could have gave him a few more carries. I think we have barely enough evidence to, to support this, but the Jets have played the Bills pretty well. I mean, last yeah. year, it was, it was the same thing. It was the end of the season. The Jets were horrible. Wilson was playing playing terrible. They didn't have the offensive firepower. Obviously, no Garrett Wilson or, you know, a lot of this rookie class they brought in. And they still played Buffalo pretty close in Buffalo for most of that game. It was like a one-score game. I knew, you know, hoping that the Buffalo would lose one uh, late in the year. And then, I mean, this year, you know, they beat them once in New York, and then you know played them. They they played them tougher than they had any business playing them under those conditions in the condition of Mike White and or Joe Flacco. Maybe the Jets are just kind of that team that not say has their number but can always play them competitively. Maybe that's what this division's becoming in that, I mean, we saw Miami beat Buffalo. Buffalo beat New England. New England beat the Jets twice. That it kind of becomes that NFC East thing where, you know, Dallas can be 10-3 and three or, or well, I mean, hell, look at Philadelphia and Washington. Philadelphia's undefeated. Washington marches into the link and beats them. So, um, you know, maybe the, the AFC East and NFC East aren't so different after all. Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean – You look at the AFC East, and you look at the AFC playoff picture in general. 
and you said it before we hit record, it's going to get kooky. And you have each conference has one kind of lemon in the playoffs, guaranteed. You know, NFC has Tampa Bay right now, and (laughs) the AFC has the Titans that just got straight smacked in the face by Jacksonville. So what we're saying saying is the the East are beasts, and the South is just a dumpster fire on both sides. Yes. But then you have Miami. They lose another. Perhaps the Tua can beat anybody. Not quite true. They drop down. They're now sixth. Second wild card. You got New England in that seven spot at seven and six. Currently with a tiebreaker based on whatever. Best win percentage in conference games, I think. Yeah, so it's so it's head to head with the Jets. So we have the tiebreaker over the Jets because of uh, we're two and zero against the Jets, and we have the tiebreaker over the Chargers because the Patriots are I think five and three, and the Chargers are five and four yeah. inside the AFC. So Patriots seven and six, Chargers seven and six, Jets seven and six, and then I will give outside shot if something goes horribly wrong. Man, Jacksonville looked good yesterday. They're there at five and eight. <laughs> those are those games when you see them where you're like, it almost pisses you off because they look so horrible in other games that they should have won where they could have been in contention for a playoff spot. But, you know, I'm trying to also remember first, well, not a first-year rookie coach, but new coach again. Trevor Lawrence has had just an awful run of coaches and coordinators, and he's finally, knock on wood, hopefully for Jags fans getting comfortable, and maybe they're just figuring it out. We had we said the same thing about the Raiders two weeks ago. Of course, that went not great since then. But I think you mentioned, I think it's going to get kooky. I think it's going to be interesting. I think the Dolphins, they still have another game with Buffalo. They could theoretically go from, you know, they were the number one team in the AFC earlier in the season to missing the playoffs if a couple things bounce the wrong way. So the way I think it gets, to to steal your word, kooky, is not so much that I think there's going to be teams that rise up. I mean, there, there is a, a right. I just a, wanted to throw one in there. Sure, 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 sure. Well, and and it's who who would by in fact of teams dropping out of the top seven, who would benefit? I mean, the Chargers are the Chargers, and the Chargers could jump up to number four. They're only a couple games behind the Titans. <laughs> no, they can't get four because they couldn't get. They can't win the division. The Titans. They could get in front of the Titans. The Chargers can't unless they win the division. I said, oh, sorry, I meant the Jags. The yeah, Jags, no, the could, Jags could, could jump up to yeah, number the, four. The, the Jags could jump up to number four by winning that awful division. Um, the Chargers, I mean, the, it, it's the Chargers and the Jets. I mean, that, that's the the oddity is, are we really talking about the Chargers and the Jets being teams of, you know, they could make it and their, their remaining schedules aren't that difficult, but, they, you know, the Patriots are in the thick of it. But to me, it's, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are sitting there in the middle. 
they don't have Lamar Jackson. They really should have dropped that game to to Denver. You know, it's big that they didn't, but I mean, they're having conversations like, is Tyler Huntley healthy enough to play this week? If not, who's starting? Is it Brett Huntley? Is it, uh, I'm trying to think of who, who's even there uh, as a third stringer. Is Trace McSorley still in the building for Baltimore? Uh, yes, their options are, are there, and they're not playing well. And, and this seems like it happens every season to Baltimore. Sometime around the beginning of December, injuries creep in, and they sort of limp to the finish or miss the playoffs. I think there's a chance that Miami and Baltimore, you know, drop down there and make this even more interesting, really just open it up here at the end of the season. Um, let's just, I mean, uh, well, let's do, do you want to talk Patriots and, and Cowboys or do you want to do losers? We could jump right into losers, but sure. I mean, our team, our, our team's won though. Like we, I think we need to bask a little bit in that before we just, I'm not going to bask too hard as it took a last minute drive to, uh, knock off the Houston Texans. Well, I think we came in at 17 point favorites largest in the entire season. Yeah, but let's talk about this. Like, I mean, this could be good for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I am a believer that, you know, a loss, a real tight game and a game that shouldn't have been can motivate, and especially a team that was rolling, that's on a good roll. I do believe in that. But, man, Dak just keeps throwing some picks in tight games. Well, and, and that's the thing that I, I would find – and I texted you at halftime of this game when Houston was ahead and I can't remember what it was, 17-14 or, you know, somewhere around there. It wasn't like they're getting blown out, but, you know, I I put it in there because that was the only time. I'm like, the the Cowboys will, you know, put up a 33-point fourth quarter and blow them out of the water, you know, late. And I said, oh, this is a loss. Like, you've already lost this. Don't even, you know, try to count this as a win. You're trailing at halftime at home against the, the Texans. This is already a loss. The most concerning thing was the Dak pick because... That last one that he threw at what? He was at his own five yard line. He, you know, got picked off at like yeah. fifteen. They took it down inside the ten, you know, and walk away with no points. Not that I mean the field goal wouldn't have made much of a difference because Right, it would have made it six. But you would have, you know, started the drive again. I don't know. It, it, it's always a different starting. You would have had better field position, but I mean a touchdown there, all they gotta do is put it in and that game's over. I mean that 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 is how how close it was to to slipping away. Even though in other areas, yeah, I thought Dallas played okay, but it, it just looked like a game that they kind of sleptwalked through. Yeah, he's. I mean, weekend? I mean, was that a trap? No. Philly in two weeks, and Micah Parsons is already talking about it. So. Yeah, and it's one. Of the, I mean, Dak has eight picks since he came back from a thumb injury, so he's got nine on the season in eight games. His career high in 16 games is 13. He had 13 his second year, 11 in 2019, 10 in last year in 2021. So in half the games, he's already almost eclipsed his interceptions from a year ago. And they're bad ones. Like you said, they're in the red zone or they're deep in their own field position. I mean, he's had a couple where it was, he had the one versus, uh, was it Minnesota maybe where they were blowing him out and it was kind of like a heat check end of the half, 20 seconds left. I'm going to try to go across the middle and see if I can't get us back in scoring position again, but he's had some bad ones. 
and we're we are in Jacksonville, by the way, next week. There, there are opponent opponent before Philly on Christmas Eve. Then they close it out with Tennessee, Washington. So that's kind of I think would be my worry is that you need to hope that this wakes them up a little bit that they're not just looking and Micah Parsons already talking about the Eagles that they're not just already looking towards that game because you know you talk about tougher places to play I mean Jacksonville like has not been good traditionally but anytime you go to Florida in cold weather and it's warm there like it, it and now granted you know they're coming from dallas so it probably won't have as, as much effect but jacksonville's a weird place to play it, it, it's it's a fairly nice stadium but it's a weird atmosphere i mean there's a swimming pool they got a mascot wearing usa thongs it's it's a strange area um and this is one that if if dallas doesn't get the wake-up call after the close one with with houston this could be another trap game for them yeah, and the way Lawrence played, I mean, it's one they, you know, you can imagine the path to which they lose. Yep. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I can see the look on your faces. You're just you're, you're just imagining like you know. <laughs> I said Lawrence it weeks ago. I said I was yeah. worried about Indianapolis. I am far more stressed about the Cowboys versus bad teams than I am versus good teams. And that's how you know your team's not really good. Yes. They're not elite. You know, 07 Patriots, you weren't worrying about their matchup with the Jaguars. Well, and, and not to, you know, toot the horn of the Patriots, but, I mean, that's something that sort of gets lost in that 20-year run was the Patriots beat the hell out of bad teams. I mean, I can remember it, it is, you could probably count on one hand, the number of games that they just sort of blew to a, a vastly inferior opponent. You know, they seeing Colt McCoy the other night, they go, Oh, Colt McCoy is a starter is one in one career against the Patriots. You know, and that one was on a, it was on one of the Mangini Browns teams. I want to say 2001, maybe. And uh, Pats went there late November, just laid an egg, you know, horrible Browns at Peyton Hillis Browns. I mean, they were basically just lost it didn't happen that often. And, and you're right. It does also sort of speak to where the NFL is right now. There are some very, very good teams, but it is sort of a season where I think we're lacking, you know, the one team, and maybe it's Philly. It, it may very well be Philly with, with one loss that there isn't one team you look at and go, yeah, something has to go wrong for them not to win at all. They're all sort of more of in that Dallas range of, Oh, they're very good. You know, can they be Minnesota turn around and, you know, get beat by anyone on any given day. Sure. can absolutely happen, but, uh, it's, it's a short list. You just want to be in the running. That's all. Yeah. But they're going to have to figure out how to fully unlock, especially the passing game for when they play a Philly or when they get in the playoffs and they need to score. Po- Dallas. And I haven't looked and I'm sure it's this way, probably with a few teams, but you wouldn't think so. If I, told you this but Dallas does not have one one game where the quarterback had 300 yards passing it's not good but I mean it's been a it's a low year in general not to be that guy but man but when you and I you know who I mean we are who we are but if you and I could then look and go, okay, so here's here's how I would defend against Dallas. 
you know, I'm going to stack the box. Um, may double team CD Lamb, but I'm going to make Dak just beat us from the pocket. That's absolutely what you do. Yeah. Stack the box, stack the box, you know, go, you know, four, three, three, four, whatever. You just load the box for, for Zeke and Pollard and make Dak beat you from the pocket. Like I'm not really respecting his wheels. It's not like he's going to, you know, take off and run on you a lot with any, anything designed. You're not going to scheme anything for him. So it's all just, all right, make him beat you with Dalton. And I think that's what San Francisco did a lot of last year is they got pressure with three held the linebackers in and didn't allow Dallas to run the ball on them. Yeah. I mean, and we said it weeks ago, Amari Cooper not being there makes a difference. Not that he's a game breaker or anything. He's a very good receiver, but he opens things up. He makes it harder to constantly double team CD lamb who he keeps you honest. CD keeps has been kind of going off and getting better and better all year long. But you brought in James Washington to be that third guy, and he just barely got activated for his first game this past week against the Texans and got, I think, one target. That was it. You go out and get T.Y. Hilton, who I'm at least smart enough to know not to be that guy. Who's like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The name. Thank you. Yeah. Like, no. He has been... Fairly washed for about three seasons. He hasn't played football this year. I mean, guys typically don't join teams in December that had a whole lot left in the tank. Yeah, there's a reason no one had him on the roster yet anywhere, which really says even more about where Odell Beckham is with his knee. Which was the more random signing this week? The Cowboys signing T.Y. Hilton or the Bills bringing Cole Beasley out of retirement? T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. You know, Beasley was yeah, somewhat fresh. I think he started it. He played a little bit at the beginning of the year for what, Tampa? Yeah, he played in Tampa for, I want to say, three weeks and then just randomly retired after, you know, like week three or something. He's like, nope, I'm done. And then. And he was <laughs> just never. Out of nowhere. And he was never. A game changer receiver. He was a possession guy, a slot guy. He gets you to. He goes to the yard line, catches it, first downs. That's what he does. Whereas well, T.Y. Hilton would, was the over the top guy, who's gonna make big plays. That goes away a lot faster than a, being a possession receiver. I had T.Y. Hilton in fantasy for one season, and, and he was highly ranked. He he was you know one of the top fantasy receivers from the year before. He was still. I want to say second or third year in the league. And he was such a frustrating fantasy player to have because he caught a low volume of balls, but his big games would be, you know, Randy Moss lines, three catches, 130 yards, three touchdowns. But the next week it was one catch, 18 yards, full stop. You know, and he was considered, you know, a borderline elite wide receiver. I haven't thought that Buffalo has been quite the same without that Beasley type from that offense. Um, I thought he was really the one who, I mean, he was the stopgap. He was the safety valve Um, on third and threes. He's the reason that Josh Allen didn't have to run for every one of them. And I think I was talking to a friend of mine who's a a Bills fan. I said, you know, if this just keeps Allen from taking three or four licks a game, I mean, right now he's just hurtling himself around on third and threes because he doesn't, you know, Dawson Knox is an okay tight end, but really hasn't emerged the way that they, I think, wanted him to. Uh, McKenzie, uh, Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis, 
they've had problems with drops. They've had kind of system issues, I think, adapting to what Ken Dorsey's wanted to do there, taking over for Brian Dable. I think they needed Beasley. I, I think this has been the the piece, like you said. You know, he's not an elite guy. He's he's a possession receiver. He's a slot receiver. But kind of like how Baltimore's never really looked the same after Mark Ingram left. He wasn't the best running back, but he was kind of the best for that position for that particular team. So if Beasley has anything left in the tank, I think we could see some more glimpses of the Buffalo offense from 2021. He's a keep you honest guy, just like in yeah. basketball. Like, oh, okay, he can step out and hit that 18-footer. He draws the center out. Beasley makes you pay attention 10 yards up the field in the middle of the field because he'll catch one right there. There's a lot to be said for having that, you know, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. I mean, we've seen him for years in New England where when it was third and three, everyone in the stadium knows where it's going. But it's that first quick step. It's precise route running and just catching that dart that gets thrown at you from four yards away. You know, sit down route, move the chains, you know, keep going. I think that's... That's what Buffalo needs out of. Why are we talking so much about Buffalo? I don't know. We got here from <laughs> Dallas, but I know we got there. We got there from Dallas. I say we go to uh, to Arizona. Uh, I'm going to start watching the in season hard knocks. I was waiting. I didn't want to start it and and get hooked on it, uh, and then have the uh, Patriots lose in Arizona. I've heard it's been decent, watch. and it also is very much as you're watching. You go, oh, yep. That totally makes sense. <laughs> Someone told me, I think it was, I was listening to a podcast. I had Stanford Steve on it from, from uh, Scott Van Pelt. And he was like, you know, I think it's better than the preseason one. There's just more happening. They don't have to manufacture things because, yeah, there's a real game every week and there's real news. And, you know, in the preseason, you kind of look for those stories. Like, you know, I remember the uh, Miami Dolphins season with Joe Philbin and, uh, Chad Johnson got arrested and they had to cut him and you got to see that whole thing play out. Um, you know, so the NC's one, I'm now more interested in watching it now that the Patriots safely had, had beaten the Cardinals. Uh, but sadly the, the storyline of that episode would be uh, Kyler Murray's injury. So it'd be even more interesting now to see how they, they sort of deal with that. And now the, the GM taking a leave of absence, you know, how, I mean, it's an NFL, I mean, encouraged sanctioned project with, with HBO, you know, how do you put the lipstick on this pig? I mean, you got to make this look kind of better than it is, but also be. I don't accurate. think you do. This is. They know yeah. TV. Well, and that's HBO it. And knows always, drama. Well, and they've done a great job. I mean, even the the Raiders season with Antonio Brown. You know, they showed you everything, and they talked about it and addressed everything that happened. You know, but they didn't make it look as bad and and probably i think in our minds we're probably imagining it sort of like worse than it is internally but the thing is i mean this is only what the second year they did the colts last year and and now this one i mean teams are going to kind of balk at even doing this if the cardinals aren't portrayed in a decent light because teams are going to look at it going hey you know we're borderline i mean take the patriots I'm not saying I mean, bill belichick will throw himself in front of a train before he does hard knocks but you know look at the patriots if you're thinking you're maybe a 500 team and you're fighting to get into the playoffs next year and you're really trying to take these strides, do you want television cameras distracting the team? Especially if things go wrong, it just looks even worse. There's going to be a lot of teams that don't want to do it. But I think there's always teams that don't want to do it, and at the end of the day, there's always a team that'll take... I don't know if they get 
extra money for doing it or whatever it is. I think with the hard knocks in training camp, I don't think you have much of a say. It's whatever it's what the bottom four or five teams are eligible for it. And then, I mean, they'll well, always there, find somebody to do it. Well, there's certain caveats. It's, you know, if you have a new head coach, you, you know, you don't have to do it. Um, yeah, like there's three or four different caveats that if you meet those, you know, like yeah. the Patriots never had to, were at risk because they were a playoff team every year. So I think it's if you make the playoffs, you know, you don't have to or, you know, it's kind of a, a, a an added perk of having a winning football team. But yeah, I mean, but you think for some, I mean, some of these teams that we've watched, I mean, look what it did for the Cleveland Browns and all that. I mean, it gets it puts your brand out there front and center, especially if you have a yeah. young, you know. And there's, always, and there's always going to be arrogance. There's always going to be sure. one team that's arrogant enough to say, no, we're different. We're good. <laughs> we're on the come up. We're going to be that team, which well, it, Indy, like, I'm sure Indy felt good about it last year. Sure. And then and they were, they were good for most of it. Yeah. I mean, their, their collapse was really, I think the show had ended and then they, you know, blew a couple down the stretch. I mean, the, the team you just described of the one that's like, no, we're different. We're good. I mean, that was Dallas last year. You know, new head coach, had some, you know, a lot of established veterans. You know, it, it was, it was, it felt very different because you had, you know, Dak and, and Zeke and these guys that, you know, you feel like you knew a little bit about anyway. But uh, there was certainly a confidence there that, like, oh, no, 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 like, but we're not terrible. Yeah. We're stable enough. Though I, I want to know who the hell told Mike McCarthy he was entertaining. <laughs> no one knows what a mojo moment is. Every one of his meetings, I'm just like, I, what is he doing? Like he was trying so hard to, you know, show a personality or just all of it felt like his wife was going, hey, you know, if you wear this shirt, the guys will think you're cool. He's like, yeah, yeah, they will. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my loser from the week was the aforementioned Cleveland Browns. You had to know we talked about it at the beginning of the year, and that was about it because we didn't want to talk about it. That you have all the attention, good, bad, or indifferent, because you went out, you got Deshaun Watson with all his baggage, and you gave him more guaranteed money percentage wise than any player in NFL history, any quarterback ever, you pretty much broke the scale. You had everybody in Baltimore flipping you the bird because they hadn't locked up Lamar Jackson. And they're like, oh, what did you give him for guaranteed money? You a-holes. You just wrecked the curve. Yeah. And you knew it was coming. You get to that point and... You were doing okay. You were hovering, you what, four and seven, but not completely out of it. Comes in, beats the Texans, which everyone does, and I can say that because at least the Cowboys did. But Deshaun Watson, 12 of 22, 131 yards in an interception. Had, I think, 20 yards rushing, roughly. Nothing impressive. But you're like, hey, first game, 
keep in mind, hasn't played in pretty much two years. Got hurt his last year with the Texans. Was benched all of last season. Suspended until last week this year. Then they go to the Bengals, which quietly, by the way, I almost thought about doing them for my winners. Tip of the cat, the Bengals have quietly just kept getting a little bit better, a little bit better, and are starting to look like that team that made a run to the Super Bowl last year. But once again, this time, all right, we're going to turn it up. Deshaun threw it 42 times, only had 276, a touchdown, and one pick, and the pick was brutal. It was tight game. They're going down, chance to maybe tie it up somewhere around there or pull it within three and just threw an awful interception. They only gave Chubb 14 carries last week. Kareem Hunt only had four. Like, this isn't remotely what they did in their wins. It's like they say, okay, we got Deshaun Watson. Now we, we got to throw the ball. Name me some receivers. I mean, I'm sure you can. But, I mean, it's Amari Cooper. Pebbles Jones. Jones? Yeah. Nope. Just because I remember that because of his name. Yeah. Uh, David Njoku at tight end. But, yeah, I mean, the the point is valid. There's There's not much there for for wide receivers and you do have, I mean, you know, their offense sort of looks like, you know, when you look at weapons, they're kind of the Tennessee Titans where you have a marquee running back. You have an outstanding running back. You have a pretty good backup, you know, in Cleveland. I mean, Kareem, Kareem Hunt's very good, you know, especially, especially in that role. I like him more as a third down. I, I don't think I'd want him necessarily at this point as my primary ball carrier, but you know, you look at, Tennessee, they got Dontrell Hilliard as the backup, who I think is very capable as well. Kind of a Tony Pollard type, you know, from the last couple of years, hasn't emerged the way he has. But yeah, not a ton of weapons. And I mean, they're just casting a brighter light. I think it was Merrill Hodge uh, that was breaking down uh, Watson's first game back. Said his footwork looked worse than it did when he first got to Clemson. Like that's how out of sorts he looked. Now I get you haven't played a game in two years. It's it's not going to be good. Everything off the field aside, how do you give that much money to a guy who hasn't played in two years? Who at the time was still being investigated. Uncertain, sure. I mean, he could have been suspended for another year, another two years. I was actually surprised he didn't get another full season. Then it would have been three years since he played football. You know, then what? And you've guaranteed all this money. This is why the Browns are the Browns. Like, I, I hate it. I... You know, I, I kind of enjoyed watching Jacoby Brissett because for everything that Jacoby Brissett is, you know, he's got flaws, but you know what? Plays his tail off. You know, I was happy to see him beat Tampa there in that overtime game and just you know, kind of kind of get that moment because he's been, you know, aside from really one year in, in Indianapolis, he's really been the backup quarterback who's gotten some chances to play and he's shown some stuff. And I mean, he will have a job in the NFL. Like we talk about, you know, Mike White has already made enough of a name that he'll have a job for a long time as a backup in this league. Jacoby Brissett will play in the NFL as long as he is able to play in the NFL or wants to because someone will always sign that guy because he's got the tools. He's played well at, at times. He's already been around the league, so he's made a lot of connections. And from everything I hear, you know, everyone likes that guy. 
And then you just bring in Deshaun Watson. And now you're getting away from your core competencies. You have Nick Chubb. He's one of the, the what, four best running backs in the NFL? Five? Yeah, outside of – And he was ter- – Yeah, I want to say Jacobs leads the league. He's already at like 1,400 yards on the year. But Chubb, he's third behind Derrick Henry, who was second. Yeah. And at one point, I think Chubb was leading the league in rushing and Henry was second. I mean, it, it's they've just gone away from him for two weeks as a Nick Chubb fantasy owner. I'm looking at this going, okay, so how does having Deshaun Watson back and him being an inaccurate quarterback mean that Nick Chubb doesn't get the football anymore? Because that feels wrong. So now it's a detriment to the rest of your team besides just being a detriment to you know, your city, the organization, a black mark on the league, and now you're actively hurting your own team and you don't have your picks again it'll be more interesting these next couple years if you know 2021 is used as an example for teams that want to build quickly by you know making a big splash and getting a marquee quarterback you know look what happened with russell wilson switching teams even you know i mean matt stafford won a super bowl but now look at the cap hell that they're in um you know, Matt Ryan to the Colts, all these teams that, that ponied up big money to go get a quarterback and pony up draft picks, it has to work. There is no plan B. You're going all in with these guys. And a lot of the teams in the NFL love to go all in, love to, to not have a plan B. That's our guy. We're going to ride Broncos country. That's someone who's hoping that this blows up in <laughs> Cleveland. Russell, hustle, bustle, man, muscle, Wilson. Except they're all now being lumped together as, yeah, you want to go bring in a uh, veteran quarterback. Not so fast, my friend. But yeah, I mean, Cleveland, the they have what? Home for Baltimore, home New Orleans, at Washington, at Pittsburgh. And I would guess they probably have to win out to have a chance to get in the wild card because they have Jacksonville, same record, then three teams above them, two games ahead. And it's unrealistic, not only from the standpoint of you know the reality of where they are in the standings, but it's unrealistic to think that Deshaun Watson can flip this switch until they become you know better than an average quarterback in the NFL for the rest of the season. It's almost like you took this year and you said, okay, he's only going to play you know less than half the season. We hope he gets his legs under him and gets ready for 2023. That's essentially what you're hoping. Oh, in the meantime, that he doesn't come down with a you know injury that knocks him out for another year, or sends him to the massage parlor. Anything to keep him out of there. Uh, what do you got, buddy? You want a loser? I'll give you a loser. Uh, I feel like we've actually called them the winners this year. It's a long season. Uh, Tua. And or the uh, Miami Dolphins. That we have ugly. called them winners. That, we've called them winners because they have been. And I remember when we talked about them in September uh, before the Bengals game where we said, look, if they beat the Bengals, there's a chance they're undefeated when they go play San Francisco in December, which was two weeks ago, game that they lost. They did not look good. But it was after a long run where what Tua was undefeated as the starter when he finished a game for the Dolphins. They've been rolling. Offense looked good. Defense looked good. They lose to the 49ers and Brock Purdy. And then this week, it felt like a game where anytime I watch the Chargers in prime time, I go, the Chargers are not going to win this game. Something happens in the game. Redden Staley makes a weird decision. They lose these games in prime time. It's just what happens. 
And then Tua, I mean, this was Tua in the platoon with Ryan Fitzpatrick bad. This was two years ago, Tua. This was inaccurate, Tua. This was slinging it over wide open receivers, Tua. This was underthrowing receivers downfield, Tua. This was the the key word is regression. As good as he looked, and 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 he was in the MVP discussion before two weeks ago. He was right there with you know Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't know who else you want to kind of toss in there. Pat Mahomes, of Mahomes course, is, is yeah. there. Um, he was there, and these last two weeks, it just looks like it's on the quarterback too, because the weapons are the same. The weapons are somewhat healthy now. I know you know Wilson went down with an injury. Uh, they're starting to you know they're getting banged up on defense. Uh, you know Wilkins might be out for the Buffalo game this weekend. The Dolphins are a team. I mean they're they're eight and five, four games left. They're at Buffalo this week. There could be snow. They're home for the Packers. They're at Foxborough on January 1st, and then they finish up with the Jets in Miami. It only seems fitting that after week three when Buffalo played in Miami and it was like 98% humidity, <laughs> that when Miami now goes to Buffalo, there's going to be seven feet of snow. Yeah, I just don't flex. Like, NFL, if you're listening, and I know you are, this is Saturday night. Prime time. It's the only game in town. There's no college football. This is your season. It's the holiday, Saturday night. Everyone's going to be hunkered down. It's finally cold in the Northeast. People want to you know, curl up around the fire and watch some NFL football. If this has snow and you have the Dolphins and the Bills, you know, both teams going to the playoffs most likely, like, don't move this to Detroit. I don't care if there's 100 feet of snow. Don't move this game. Like, let us have the snow game that we all want. Well, what? Let the, us have that just. Miami already has to be there, I would assume. What's what's today? Wednesday? Eh, maybe not yet. No, they're not there yet. No, they'll get there Friday. Hmm. They'll get there midday Friday. for. But for the if the storm's on, supposed on to be coming in on Friday, I would assume they might try to fly in maybe Thursday. Tomorrow. It depends. I haven't, I haven't seen how much. They're calling for snow. It's supposed to be cold. But, you know, that doesn't bode well for Miami because the, the word out of Sunday Night Football was it was 55 degrees uh, in Los Angeles as they played at SoFi, which is an open-air dome, Yeah, meaning, you know, air air gets in, but it, it has a dome. It's they, had the heaters, they had heaters roaring on the sidelines in 55-degree weather. It's probably going to be about 40 degrees colder in Buffalo, and there could be snow. Not saying they're soft, but no, I mean, yeah, they're they're probably pretty soft. That's what we're saying. And if in those conditions, Tua wasn't accurate, what chances there that they can throw it around the yard in Orchard Park? But I would say the good news is, in somewhat crappy weather this past week, the Bills' offense didn't look that great. They put up 20 on the Jets, but the Jets, I think, have a better defense than Miami. I would agree. I would agree. Even though Quinn and Williams went down in that game, which they're calling a, a calf strain, so it doesn't look like it's going to be season-ending. He yeah. could uh, be back shortly. but uh, And quietly, yeah, this, you know, the Bills, they lost the two in a row to the Jets and the Vikings, and everyone was pointing and saying, oh, here it comes. They've quietly ripped off four straight again, you know, Maybe not versus the elite teams, Browns, Lions, 
Pats, Jets, but like you said earlier, getting the job done against teams that they're supposed to beat. And I would put the Dolphins on the list that they should beat. Yeah, and they're looking to get right. I mean, this hasn't looked like the Buffalo team that we kind of expected them to be at this point in the year, the way they looked early in the season when they were, I mean, God, you know, they were a, a bowling ball rolling downhill those first two months of the season. You looked at that offense and they picked up where they left off in the playoffs last year. They were scoring at will. And, you know, we were looking at it going, okay, are they better than than the Chiefs? Is it a higher powered offense than Kansas City? Right now, you you certainly wouldn't say so. They're they're kind of lacking that rhythm that they really need to find down the stretch as they find their identity. But it, it's going to be a great one on Saturday night. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know can Miami bounce back or is this kind of a the beginning of a, a bigger issue for this team? And, and then how do they respond? How does Tua respond? You know, Tyreek Hill's saying all the right things you know, when things are going great that this is this high powered offense, but. It's easy. You know, when your team's winning, it's a hell of a lot easier to, to coach a team like that. Mike McDaniel, first coach, first year head coach. How do you keep the boys up? You know, if, if guys start talking to the media, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of storylines that could come out of this game for, for both teams, but, but mostly Miami as they look to stop, you know, a two game skid where, I mean, it, it, it's not the toughest schedule down the stretch, but I mean, finish up with the Packers, Patriots and Jets. That, that could be a lot worse. Plus, I mean, if you beat Buffalo for the second time in the season, in Buffalo, in the snow, that's a real sure. kind of statement. Drop your manhood on the table. Say, hey, sure. look. I enjoy, Tua did say he's not concerned about playing in the cold. It's a mindset thing. That's spoken by someone that doesn't live in the cold. His, his other and hasn't been was, in the cold. Uh, his, his other quote was, uh, we get snow in Alabama. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm sure. I'm it's sure like Buffalo, Buffalo and uh, Tuscaloosa, very same weather. It's like when I had, when I first had the twins, and I, I was hardly sleeping, and still trying to. I was calling races, and a guy that we worked with sometimes was like, "Yeah, no, I totally get it. I have nieces and nephews. No." <laughs> You don't get it. Shut up. Oh, I hate those people. It's right there. Those are number one. I think they're number one, the niece and nephew people. Then right below that, and I had the guy, and I didn't care for this guy at work anyway a couple years ago, but wanted everyone to have a short day on Father's Day. Come on. It's Father's Day. You don't have kids. Oh, I have a dog. <laughs> we out. We have dogs. It's the same thing. You know what? Go f yourself. Well, I can appreciate when, when I... you own animals, but I can't lock my child in a cage for eight hours while I go to work. Not well, the same. Well, I mean... Just, just tell him that he gets that day off when, when he goes home and uh, that dog has made him a uh, card out of macaroni for, for Father's Day. Yeah. When that happens, then, then sure. Yeah. Then, you know, then, then you get the day. Oh, the, those people, those two in particular, I get it. I have nieces and nephews and, well, I have pets. It's, they're my babies. Did you create them from your loins? <laughs> they're not your babies uh. there's a there's a cold open for the office where 
and, and I'll butcher this, but Pam and Angela both just had babies and they're, you know, kind of commiserating about having babies. And Oscar comes over and is like, yeah, I know I have a dog. So then it, it cuts to them and they're like, oh my God, he thinks having a dog is like having a human person. And then Pam starts complaining because she has two kids. And then Oscar and Angela are complaining about Pam because she thinks that having two kids is way harder than having either one kid or a dog. So it's all the group that you're in, you know, Every, everyone thinks that their, their situation is, is more difficult or as difficult as something else, but that's pretty good. They have a dog is the, the same as your twins. Not the same. Probably, uh, probably not. Hit on a couple winners here before we get out of here. I want to give a nod to the Detroit Lions. Just keep on chugging away. They get another win. And don't forget, they almost beat Buffalo a few weeks ago. Super tight game. Buffalo just pulled it out at the end. So right there with one of the top teams in the NFL. Outside of that, they've won... What is it? Five out of their last six. The only loss being that Bills game. Beat the Packers. Beat the Bears. Beat the Giants. Beat the Jags. Pounded the Jags. And beat the Minnesota Vikings this week. Their top pick, Aiden Hutchinson, is starting to get it going after some worry kind of early in the season. They have to be feeling good, and that's good to see. I'm excited to see it. I hate seeing, for the most part, the same teams be lousy every single year, especially like when they have a, like a good, passionate fan base. Like the Rams get to just, you know, spend a bunch of money and build a good team, and the bandwagon fans come out for a bit. Meanwhile, you have this just diehard Detroit Lion fan base that doesn't have a lot to root for in their city, in their area. And to finally see them get a little positive momentum. And are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. But to be in the hunt at this point of the year is a win. And as much as the hard knocks hangover, of because usually after hard knocks, a lot of people jump on the bandwagon because you get attached to storylines or players, and obviously had a real rough start. It's nice to see them really get it to go, get it going. See someone who's I don't know if you'll find someone more passionate than Dan Campbell, I don't know if that person exists in this world. But to see someone who cares get some love and do well, I enjoy seeing. Because there's plenty of people we're seeing coaching or playing that don't give a crap that their team is losing right now. And don't really get in. It's, oh, whatever. Like, you don't see that kind of passion out of Cliff Kingsbury you don't see that ahead of Kyler Murray. So I'm just I'm happy that Detroit is having a good year, and I think pre 
Hard Knocks, if you had said at this point that they would be 6-7 and seven and still in playoff contention, Detroit fans would say, hey, that's pretty good. We're moving in the right direction. And that's what you want is is some level of, of progress. And that was kind of the sad thing of you get the, the Hard Knocks bump where you see the team and you kind of, as you see all the weapons, as you see all the pieces, you go, you know, I mean, this team might be good, even though you know, well, it's like if you're on hard knocks, you're probably coming off like a one in 15 season and probably a top three draft pick. And, and that's you know kind of why you're there. So you kind of get deluded to thinking, you know, you know, you, you start circling lions on your, your fantasy draft going, you know, I think this guy could be good. I saw him work out with his dad and you know, I think this guy could be good. You know, the NFL is a better place when Dan Campbell's the head coach in it. You know, when they're starting to be the grumblings are like, okay, his act is growing tired. They're not winning. This is year, what, year three. It's not really working. Okay, it's fun that he's a nice story, but he's not a good coach. and The team's not getting better. He's now at least bought himself at least, you know, another year, two years. You know, they're, they're starting to make progress. And the, the, the one making the most progress from a player standpoint is Jared Goff. I mean, two weeks ago, Tom, when we talked about the draft order, and they have the the Rams pick, which I believe you know that week was either three or four. We we're saying, look, they're going to take a quarterback, and this is going to work out really well for the Ram uh, for the Lions. And next year or the year after that, they could really put something together if they hit on a couple more of these picks, and they get a Bryce Young or they get a C.J. Stroud or or someone like that uh, at the top of the draft. Jared Goff has been kind of the reason that this offense has been going. I mean, St. Brown's been good. They got James Williams back. The run game's outstanding. The offensive line, uh, you know, with Decker and Panay Sewell and Frank Ragnow, is starting to kind of put that all together. So it's, but it's been golf is the glue. And it's that he raised his level of play. He's been a top, I think it's top six quarterback over the last six weeks. And they had some close games early. The Someone made a joke. I think it was on, pardon my take this week was, you know, what's the Lions' best win this season? And one host said, I think it was the three-point loss to the Eagles. The other one said, oh, I was going to say the three-point loss to the Bills were their two best wins of the season. Because, hey, I mean, those are two of the best teams in the NFL, and they played them right down to the wire. So it does show that there's a progression outside of the wins that even some of their losses, they've, they've had good performances. And a few steel picks. Rodrigo! Malcolm Rodriguez, 72 tackles. Six-round pick. He's been good. And and Aiden Hutchinson, to touch back on that, I, you know, Sauce Gardner was great beginning of the season. Hutchinson is firmly in the defensive rookie of the year discussion. And if not become a front runner, he's got what, eight sacks now? And is uh, really seven. To pile seven. Yeah, I know he had a lot early. I think he what, had a three sack game. Yeah, against uh, Washington early, when everyone was sacking Washington. But, you know, he had a couple this week, kind of got out of a little bit of a, a slump for him, but he's he's playing well. He's a talented rusher. He he really is. If you watch the highlights, he's got a lot of different moves. And, um, yeah, that that's certainly a, a pick that I think they're hitting on. And, like I said, Jameson Williams, they they had the two first-round picks last year. They used, you know, the pick to take Will- Jameson Williams, who uh, tore his ACL uh, at the end of last season at Alabama. So you knew he was going to miss a chunk of the year. But you have him and Amon Ross St. Brown, you got a little something cooking and I like that run game an awful lot. So uh, I think they're, they're building something in Detroit. What's your uh, last winner? My winner, this one will be uh, relatively short because of the players I'm talking about. Uh, This is a weird one. Baker Mayfield, Sean McVay. I'm calling them winners. Uh, The performance a week ago, easy to forget because it's 
been a full week since this happened, but Baker Mayfield in the building for less than 48 hours, gets thrust into the – doesn't start. He doesn't start. It's almost like when you want to really send a message to your best player, so you don't start him. You bench him. You put him into the second series. After John Wolford goes three and out, uh, Baker Mayfield, hey, two late touchdowns. They come back from a 16-3 deficit, pick up a big win. Well, big win is as big as it could be. It's the only feel-good moment I think the Rams have had all season. I don't particularly like Baker Mayfield. Uh, the, the whole thing in Cleveland uh, was, was pretty juvenile. I don't necessarily like Sean McVay either. But seeing the two of them on the sideline, I was like, you know, this is this is kind of fun. Uh, I kind of want to see where this goes. I feel like they could yep. be headbutting each other with no helmets in a week or two. Or like killing each other in the media like a week from now. You know, like I, I really don't know how this goes, but seeing yeah. them together. I'm, I think Baker knows he's on like double secret probation. Like, okay, oh, if I want to keep this NFL career going and have a shot to play next year, like I need to make something out of these last four weeks. Oh, sure. And I think he's on his best behavior this year for a fact. He's going to do and say all the right things in L.A. I'm talking about the future because I think there is a chance, especially in the situation that the Rams are in. Oh, yeah, to bring him back. They they cannot be looking at gift, you know, number one overall pick in in the the mouth. Gift horse in the mouth. Well, I was going to say a gift one one in the mouth, something like that, because they haven't made one since they took Jared Goff number one in 2016. So, um, any way that they can get a quarterback, they got to kind of exploit that option. Because if not, I mean, they've seen what what life is like with John Wolford and, and Bryce Perkins. So I think they're going to try it out, and especially if he's on his best behavior and shows them some flashes. They got some big games. They got to play the Packers this week on on Monday Sunday night football. Monday night football. Um, I don't know. I just kind of was. It, it's like watching the first episode of a TV show, and you go, I don't know if I like this show. I don't know if it's going to be good. But I'm interested enough. I need to know how this is going to end, and that's kind of the way I feel with with Baker Mayfield and and Sean McVay together in L.A. Yeah, I you know, I thought Baker would do well in Carolina, and I think one he did not play well, but two I think that situation clearly was not a great one to be in, which part of that is also on him. I believe Carolina was one of the teams he wanted to go to because he was looking at as I just want to start. And I think he would have been better off maybe picking a different team to start as a backup that had more talent and maybe more stable, better coach. Sorry, Nebraska. Uh, but, yeah, I'm hopefully he can do pull it together and, if nothing else, get himself a solid backup spot. Thing in Cleveland, yeah, didn't end well, but if I'm being honest, I could see being upset about how that went when you look at who they brought in and the situation that was surrounding him at the time after playing pretty much the entire year with your shoulder falling off. Sure. Sure. No, I mean, that that's it wasn't a good situation for him. I think it was more of my his reaction. To, to what was going on there. Um, he thought it was somewhat unassailable because he won, I mean, the franchise's first playoff win and, you know, eons, but I mean, he really kind of took that to, well, I've won a playoff game for this team. 
and kind of took him to a different level. So, yeah, we'll we'll see the the maturation of of Baker Mayfield and if it's a real thing or if is he kind of putting on airs because he realizes uh, how precarious his his standing in the NFL might be. Last thing, did you uh, you finally watch the Christmas Story Christmas? Have not seen it yet. I'm I'm saving it. Going to watch it with the family. Um, probably right before Christmas. Probably I watched Christmas it evening. today. I finally watched it today. Scale of one to ten. What is it? Solid seven and a half. Okay, that's all I, I enjoyed it. it. Had a no, good story. I'm... Pulled on some emotional heartstrings. Sure. So, no, I approve. No, good. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I kind of figured the way it was set up. I'm like, there's no way that this is bad. Like, there's no way that this isn't, you know, a, a fitting ode to to the original. You know, just having so many original people. And, and Peter Billingsley, I mean, big, big-time Hollywood player. So uh, with, with him kind of in charge, I was like, okay, this, this is in good hands. This will be done really well. It was done very well. I enjoyed it. Uh, all right, everybody, that's been the new sports order. Check us out on Facebook. Make sure you like, subscribe, share. Let everybody know so they can check it out. Check out the other podcasts on Uncommon Media. The Uncommon Deeds podcast. New England Racing. uh, As well as the No Fouls podcast that just started a few weeks ago. Looking at coaches from around Vermont. Basketball talked to some of the greats, and that's been really fun to get going. Talked to Uta Otley this week, the leader of the CVU Redhawks, who, what, had five straight or four straight undefeated seasons, led them to nine straight finals, five straight championships, was a player of the year in the state of Indiana in the mid-'80s. Mm led Dartmouth to four straight Ivy League championships. Great story. That was a super fun interview, so check that out. Sterling's columns are up every week on the New Sports Order Facebook page, and we'll be back next week. You've been listening to the New Sports Order right here on Uncommon Media.